Well, good morning, everybody, and want to welcome you to the final installment of this three-week series we've been calling New Normal. And want to take a moment and welcome those of you that are guests today. Maybe you're kicking the tires on church this morning, your first time or first time in a while. Not only here, but uh, our, all of our locations there at Nacogdoches and the Duncan Unit and the Dieball Correctional Center. Uh, so glad to have you. Come on, let's welcome each other to church this morning. Glad you're joining us. So we've all been living this message. We've all been living this sermon series in this reality that we are in a normal. We've been interrupted. There's a new normal that we're trying to figure out these new seasons that that we're in. And and many times in order to embrace the new normal, you have to swim through the peanut butter of the mayhem in the middle that we call the abnormal. This is nothing new to us. This is this global pandemic is just another abnormal reality we've had to walk through, uh, uh, crawl through at times. Uh, but it's not new to Jesus. It's not new to the entire word of God. In fact, from Genesis to Revelation, there is the reality of people living in a normal. Uh, there's God calls them to a new normal and they have to work through the mayhem in the middle of the abnormal. We have the last two weeks talked about the Israelites who were slaves in Egypt, God's chosen people, 400 years slaves. Uh, they grew to the point uh, where it was time for God to deliver them out. He sends Moses as the deliverer and he sends his mighty hand of, of, of acts of judgment on, on that moment. And sure enough, through a divine miracle, through the hand of God working with people, this divine partnership, these Israelites are exodus. They cross the Red Sea. They go through the wilderness. They stand at the boundary of a new north. And yet they, their fear led to rebellion. Their grumbling kept them out of the promises of God. Their addiction to idolatry and certainty instead of a trust in a God that's bigger than what they could understand or comprehend. It placed them in the mayhem in the middle, which was uh, the promised land was the new normal. But the mayhem in the middle was those 40 years uh, in the wilderness. And af- at what they're learning in the wilderness, what they're learning in this Israeli quarantine in the middle of that, they start to understand how to worship God in the middle of their mayhem. And so they set up a a traveling tabernacle, a, a temple in the wilderness, if you will, and they begin to understand the whole purpose. They've, they've been processing this sacrifice with a high priest in order to get close to God. And what would happen is in their new normal is the same with humanity for many, many years. And even now today, we still think of it this way, but here's how humanity can walk normally through an understanding of how God saves us. The normal understanding is that people would go to a man to get to God and cover their sin. Whether it's a a priest or a pastor, whether it goes to a church service, like we have to go somewhere, we have to go to a man to get to God and cover their sin. That's what the Israelites were doing all throughout the wilderness. In fact, even the Jewish people are still doing this today in, in in the process of getting right with God. And they would go to a priest, a priest would sacrifice an animal and it would cover their sin. It really wasn't, it, it really wasn't removing their sin. It was acknowledging their sin. We're imperfect people. Something has to die. Instead of us dying, God demands a sacrifice. So the blood is poured out at the altar and your sin is covered for a while. But see, what's beautiful about the good news is that we don't have to go to other imperfect men to get to a perfect God to cover our sin temporarily. What we're able to do because of what Jesus has done, he invades the abnormal. He invades, he comes in the middle of the mayhem. And what happens is Jesus, God becomes man and he is to be with people, that's Emmanuel, God with us, and take away their sin. See, the process of temple sacrifice was to cover your sin until the next sacrifice. But what Jesus does is he becomes the lamb who takes away the sin of the world. When we invite Jesus into our life to be the center of the life, he takes away the sin of your life. And it is a fresh start. Though your sin be like crimson, though your sin be like your kids' fruit punch Kool-Aid in the middle of that white carpet at grandma's house, he makes it white as snow. And he doesn't just stop there. He then, 
when he is ready to ascend into heaven after being resurrected and on the earth for 40 days, he equips the saints to begin to do the same work and he gives them a promise. He, he basically says, I'm going away. I'm preparing a place for you. When I come again, I'm going to bring you with me. But in the meantime, I'm not going to have a physical body uh, like this. So you're going to be the physical body. I'm Jesus, but I'm going to actually breathe my spirit into you. And you're going to be the body of Christ. And we walk around understanding that the church is the representation of the body of Christ. And the new normal you and I are designed to live in. The new normal is that Jesus would empower people to love people in the middle of sin. As you deal with your own sin too, because we all are like sheep and we go astray. We all, we all fall short of the glory of God. We all sin and fall short. And this whole new normal is really what I want to leave us with as we uh, say goodbye to this series today. I want to talk about what does that new normal look like and what should the body of Christ really represent the church today? There's all kinds of perspectives and perceptions and opinions all over the place on what church should be and church shouldn't be, what the body of Christ should look like and what the body of Christ shouldn't look like. People inside the church, how they see it. People outside the church, how they view it. And write this down if you're taking notes there on the back of your worship guide or in your, in your study notes there on the Timber Creek Church app. Write it down this way. My perception of it determines my relationship to it. Teenagers, your perception of your parents determines your relationship to parents. Parents, your perception of your kids determines your relationship with your kids. If you understand that they are arrows in your hand that you're supposed to point and aim in the right direction and let go, now arrows don't have a mind of their own like your kids do and they have a mind of their own and that arrow's gonna, sometimes those arrows don't just go, you know, bullseye. Sometimes those arrows go, you know, you can't control that. But you just at least point them in the right direction. If you see them as, as they're your children, you're raising them up and you're a parent and you're not like, I'm, I'm my girl's best friend, you know, trying to match with the same, you know, sweatpants with the <laughs> whatever. It's all Gucci, <laughs> you know, like you and your 13 year old wearing the same clothes. Stop it, mom. Stop. Okay. But like when you, when you have a perception of what, I just want to be best friends with my kids, then that's going to determine your relationship with your kids. Can I tell you this? I have an, an unbelievably great relationship with my parents today as great friends, but not because they were my great friend in high school. They were actually like the enemy, okay? It felt like, but they were fantastic parents when they needed to be parents. And now they're still parents, but I see them so much more. And we have a friendship now. That comes a little later. Be a parent. Now, your perception of it determines your relationship to it. Your relationship with your spouse is dependent upon your perception. They're always out to get me. They never understand. They're boring. They're fun. I thought it was going to look like this, whatever. Your perception determines your relationship to it. And the perception we have of Jesus and who he is and how he operates in our life and people's perception of the church determine the relationship to it. Now, Jesus dealt with this as he was walking on the earth for, the, for those 33, 30, 33 and a half some years of his life in the flesh as he was in his ministry and he's walking with the disciples, he starts up a conversation uh, and we, we find it in Mark, in the book of Mark chapter eight, Jesus and his disciples, they left Galilee and they went up to the village near Caesarea Philippi. They were on a little road trip. They're taking a walk, they're talking, you know, and, and they're, they're sharing stuff and oh, no way that happened to you, me too. And as, as the Bible says, as they were walking along, he asked them, now I just love Jesus. He doesn't waste a trip. He doesn't waste a conversation. I wonder how many dinners are being wasted right now because we're so focused on the phone versus the friend. If we can just know that God never wants to waste an opportunity for you to connect with people, okay? He doesn't ever walk and he asks, hey, 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 
What's the word on the street? What's the squibble squabble? What's the, what's the tweets going out? Have you seen anybody's social media posts lately? Uh, have you read any news articles? What, what are people saying? Like, who do people say that I, I am? And the disciples are walking along, and they're thinking about it. And oh, yeah, yeah. And they're wondering, should I tell them what Rachel said the other day? Or should I tell them how my parents really feel about me kind of leaving the business and just kind of going here and just following some guy who was a cabinet maker who says he's the son of God? Should I really tell them what people are thinking? And here they go. They say, well, you know, some say you're like John the Baptist. Some say you're like Elijah. And then others say you are one of the other prophets. So can you hear that some say this and others say that? We're never going to live in a culture where everybody is saying the exact same thing, right? You don't even have to say the exact same thing to still understand unity. That's part of what we're going to be talking about next week when we have talking points and talk about religion and politics. Oh, I'm sweat like I, I'm almost regretting even thinking about doing that, but we're gonna have fun. We're gonna do it. We're gonna do it. Maybe my last sermon here, we're gonna do it. No, it won't be that painless. <laughs> um, but, but then Jesus shifts the conversation. He, elevate, he elevates it. He pushes in. He leans in a little bit. Well, some people say, and other people say, and my parents were saying, and he said, okay, 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 okay. But who do you say that I am? And Jesus was dealing with their perceptions because he could understand that their perception of who he was was gonna determine their ultimate relationship with him. If he's just a good teacher that did some good things, that's gonna determine your relationship with who Jesus is. If church is just something to get out of the way to be a checklist of the good thing that you might have done, if you think that church is after you, if you think the church is irrelevant, it's gonna determine your relationship with the church. If you think the church is about you and not about him, like it's gonna determine. So let's unpack that a little bit. Now, I've talked about these things before, but I can promise you, half of you don't even remember what I talked about last week, okay? You don't, it's all right. So you need a refresher every once in a while. But we need to be reminded of the words of Jesus and we need to be ready to understand how culture views the church because I believe the mobilized church is the absolute hope of the world. And if people, if there was ever a time right now in the way you and I are living, in the time we're living, people need hope, everybody. People need help, they need hope, they need, they're looking for answers and we're trying to give them answers by, by uh, uh, this idea and this talking point and the next election cycle. And it goes way beyond, it goes way beyond an election. Hope is, hope has a name and it's Jesus. But you know, some say the church is like a lot of different things. They have a perception which determines their relationship with the church. And so here are a few perceptions that are normal that you might run into if you have people outside of this sphere of influence in your life that don't go to church. And here's what they might think. Number one, you can write it down, a country club. It's a country club with restricted access. Yeah, you know, I saw a bunch of people just all out there think they're good at two shoes. They, 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 they think they don't stink. They don't think they got any issues. A bunch of, you know what, church, I don't go to church because it's, it's full of, yeah, it's full of what, Nagato? Just, yeah, hypocrites. It's full of hypocrites. And I, and I always say, so is Walmart. Okay, so so is the Astrodome or the Minute Maid Park. Okay, like like we're all full of hip. Every place is full of hypocrites. Okay, sometimes when I'm driving in my car by myself, my car is full of hypocrites. It's not a country club with restricted access. It was never meant to be like that. But men have the awesome opportunity. Humanity has this awesome ability to jack things up, to mess things up to twist things, to get it wrong. And I want to say to you, remind you, church is not about religious elite. It's not about I go to church because I'm better and I look down over here. The church is for regular people. It's why 
The Bible shows us that even the people Jesus chose, the 12, to move forward. Like if you're gonna, if, you're, if you only have a limited time and you wanna get your message across here, right? Um, and and you, you're probably gonna choose people around you at the right marketing agency, the branding. You wanna make sure you have top, I mean like level five employees, one out of five, they're a five. You wanna get, you wanna make sure you got the right, the right campaign. I mean, I mean, think about the election cycle. They're, 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 they, they, they're wanting to get their messages out there and, and Jesus says, I'm going to use dysfunctional, regular people that fight with one another, that want to vie for, they, they want to kind of uh, uh, maneuver for their position. I mean, the, he's got moms coming to him and said, can my son sit next to you when you go to heaven? Like, like that's, like that's what he's dealing with. You got Peter, who's a roughneck sailor, deadliest catch, foul mouth, got cutting people's ears off in the middle of the garden in prayer. Like, and it's like normal people. Why did he choose people like that? Because that's all the people he had to choose from. Dysfunctional, normal people. Church is for people that are normal and have issues, but also understand the grace and the mercy of God. Church is for regular people. It's why we say it like this. We want to be a church anyone can come to. It's not a church everyone will stay. It's not a church everyone will stay, but we want to be a church anyone can come and dip their toe in the water, maybe hear a message that says, that makes sense to me on my level. It's for, it's for regular people. But some people say, you know, it's, it, it's, it's, it's this whole country club thing. And that's the, if they have that perception, that'll be their relationship. Here's another one. It's a movie to enjoy and then critique. I, I'm going to get my church on and I'm going to sit and I'm going to entertain me. And then I'll give it the Rotten Tomatoes score on, on Facebook afterwards. I'll give it a Google review or whatever, you know. The pastor had to sit up, stand up, and sit down way too many times. I liked it until they started saying they're talking about politics and whatnot. It's a movie to enjoy and then critique. And it's like, what did I get out of that? And the truth is, if we're going to really understand being the body of Christ, we aren't the audience. You and I aren't the audience listening to a, a pastor. Really, the, the, the truth is, ultimately, God is the audience. God is the audience, and you know who we are? We are the worshipers. We're the worshipers. And, and we come in with a worshiping mentality. We come in with, God, I'm gonna give you something, not, not just God. And here's the beauty about, if we can come in with the mentality of, God, I'm gonna give you something, okay, What's beautiful about it is God then gives you something in return. As we give worship, he gives you hope. As we give surrender, he gives you direction. As, as we give our attention, he gives us what we need when we need it. And ultimately, if Jesus ends up all you got, then you have all you need. And if you can come in and lean into surrender and sacrifice, you can lean into submission to him not on your own understanding, all of a sudden we get to become the worshipers and he pours his blessings on those that get things in the right order. Some people view though, I want my movie and I'm gonna critique it and I'll determine whether it was two thumbs up or one thumb up or one thumb down and then I move on with my life. That, that's not the way, you can view it that way. Your perception will determine your relationship with it. Here's another way people can view the church. Some people think the church is like a restaurant that serves me what I want. I like it this way. I, 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 want, I want a full order of judgment and condemnation on sinners with a side of guilt and shame, please. <laughs> I want a pastor that'll talk about, sin, not, be, not be soft on sin. Talk about the sin that I think he ought to talk about a lot. And I want, a, I want a refill of that every Sunday. We can look at the restaurant, is, 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 serves me what I want. I, I, you know, I, I, didn't, I, I, I asked you to have, I wanted, the, I wanted the meat, but I wanted you to minus uh, that part. Serve me what I want. But can I say to you that, that if we're having a conversation, now, now listen, 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 Linda, listen, Linda. If, if you are new today, all right, you decided Labor Day weekend you were gonna dip your toe in the water for church. I want you to know you may, you're kind of in a little bit of a, you're in a little bit of a family talk, you know? You ever have your, your parents say to you, hey, everybody come to, the, come to the living room, we need to have a family talk, and you're like, oh man, what's going on? As, past, as growing up in a pastor's home, I'm like, oh great, we're moving again, <laughs> you know? We gotta have a family talk. Uh-oh, they found out something, <laughs> you know? They found out what we were saying. 
this is a family talk. If you're, if you're investigating Timber Creek or you're investigating church, you, we're glad that you're here, but sometimes you got to talk to the family a little bit. And so I think that you're going to learn some insights too, as you kind of uh, sneak in and, and, and get a behind the scenes look at, at really how, how we're trying to operate as the body of Christ. And so if you're a guest today, that's really what you are. You're a guest and we want to serve you well. But let me say something to the church as a whole. We are not the guest. We're, we're, we're not the guest that steps into, you know, cheddars. Somebody said, do you just love chilies? Because you always use chilies as an example every single time. I don't know. It's just America's place, I guess. I don't know. Like here, here we are. We're not, the, we're not the guest that demands God's service or the pastor's service or the dream team's service. Now, you can look at it that way but your perception to it is going to determine your relationship with it. But here's who we are. Can I tell you who we are? All of us are the wait staff. We're the wait. We're really, the church is meant to be like the wait staff. Do you know there's another way to view a very popular verse in the book of Isaiah? They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. That has to do with just waiting on God's hand. But you know, you can also understand it when you read the original, in the original language, it's almost as if Isaiah is saying, they that wait upon the Lord. They that say, can I get you anything else, God? Is there anything else that I could do to serve you today? Do you have everything you need from me, God? That you, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. It's amazing what kind of blessings come when we wait upon other people, when we serve other people. When Jesus has worked all day long, when, when he, he had already put his 50 hours in that week and he had preached all day long, he was tired, he was ready to go home, but the people were hungry and he had compassion on them. And he goes to the disciples, he says, let's give these guys something to eat. Let's get 5,000 people on the hillside. And they're like doing the math on their iPhone calculator. You know how much, you know how many Chick-fil-A nugget trays we're going to have to buy Jesus? And it's Sunday, Chick-fil-A's closed. Ah! He's like, no, 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 give them something to eat. And here's what's beautiful about that. Everybody on the hillside got fed a meal that day. But do you know those that waited upon the people? They actually got a basket full that day. There's something powerful about those that see their position as serving others, that waiting upon other people. You don't have to be a part of a dream team to, to wait upon the Lord when you come in. When you simply walk down a hallway, when you simply engage someone on our online campus, when you simply are picking up your kids and you don't know the person next to you, here, you do you know what? You don't even have to have a conversation with words. Let me show you. Let me show you a, an awesome conversation right here. Look, because a lot of people don't have this conversation all week long. Here, here's the conversation. You ready? Here's what it looks like. Here's, the, here's one conversation. Here's how you elevate your conversation. You're like, a, you're like a smiling Pez dispenser. I mean, can I just say, smile, smiles ought to be part of the uniform around Timber Creek Church. Smiles ought to be part of the uniform around your family. We don't smile enough. The joy of the Lord really isn't our strength. The joy of the Lord is a fancy thing we say in church, but it ought to be an earmark. It ought to be a hallmark attitude for the Christ follower. We're the wait staff. And we're here to serve. And I promise you, as, as you go through a process of, of maybe taking a next step and being a part of a dream team, I, I just, I'm prom I promise you, I, you can take it to the bank. They that wait upon the Lord, your strength is renewed. They that serve other people, there's something you get. I don't have time to serve in the church. You don't have time not to serve in the church. I'm telling you. There are basketfuls of blessings you're leaving on the hillside when you don't step up and serve. That's not condemnation. That's just truth. There's certain blessings held for those that serve other people. But, you know, we view it that way. I want to come to the restaurant, get, get, get my chips and salsa, and then go on with the rest of my life and check the box. Number four, some people look like it is a gas station for my weekly fill-up. Go get my church on. I mean, Friday and Saturday, <laughs> Sunday, get my weekly fill up. 
Monday. I hate Mondays. Friday and Saturday again. No, 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 no. Yes, you ought to... You ought to leave a little different. You ought to leave filled up, but we can't just go to church. It's way beyond, like we're not seeing it. Your perception to it determines your relationship and it's not just a place to go. You and I, we are the church. We're the body of Christ. And so the goal, yes, would be that God would be honored, that he would be the audience, that we would be the worshipers. And then God in return, his blessing to us as, as we're his children, Daddy, I love you. You know when my kids come up to me? Dad, I got no agenda. I just want to tell you I love you. I said, you want to go Dairy Queen? Daddy, you're, the, you're, so, you're so great. Graham is, is way, like his, his perception of me is way off right now because he said to me last night in the elevator, Dad, you're the strongest person I know. I'm like, you do not know anybody. <laughs> Have you met your mom? <laughs> like, you're the strongest person I know. We're, the, we're God's children. We're his children. And, and we are the, we're the body of Christ. And the goal is we're to be filled up. Yes, we want to be filled up. But I can tell you, you were never meant to be filled up to stay filled up. You were filled up to be emptied out. And so there's really, two, this, would have been, this would have been better to be a, two sermons. <laughs> Some of you are like, uh-oh, this is going to be a long one. No, I'm, I'm going I'm to finish up. I'm going to finish up. Um, because this is part of who we are corporately, okay? We are kind of a come and see church. There were people that the disciples um, would come in contact with and they say, you gotta come and hear about Jesus. And they say, what good can come out of Nazareth? And, and, the, and one of the disciples of Jesus said, well, come and see, just come and see. It was a simple invitation. We, we want Timber Creek Church from, from pulling into the parking lot or jumping in online or stepping in at the Northview Plaza or for the very first time hearing this message at Dieball or Duncan. We, we want to be a, a come and see church. Find out for yourself. Just, I don't know, kick the tires. Dip your toe in the water. Let's see. We are. We are, we are a come and see church. But we can't stop there. That that's not enough. It's not enough because we will, our relationship, our perception of that will change the relationship. And God has not called us just to be a come and see. We have to become more of a go and share church. If COVID has shown us anything, there's a bunch of people who are never gonna darken the door of a church. You got a bunch of people in your life, it don't matter what you say, they're not coming to church. So you are the church. And it doesn't mean that you set up your tent in their cubicle, okay? But we have to become a go and share body of Christ. Even the apostle Paul, after they were empowered by the spirit and the new church was started, the New Testament church, for many years, they stayed in Jerusalem. They never ventured out. They never, people were being added to their numbers every single day, but they didn't get like out there. They were comfortable where they were. And, and Paul wanted to talk to the leaders in Ephesus. And this is in the book of Acts 20. In fact, this was the very first verse I shared in January with our first Sunday prayer service. It was Acts 2020. And I just happened to come across 2020. And it's interesting how this verse, 2020, has so come to life in 2020. Paul says it to this, to the leaders. He says, hey, every truth and encouragement that, that could have made a difference to you, you got as a leader, as a, as a preacher, as a pastor, I wanted to give you encouragement and I wanted to give you truth that would make a difference in your life. And here's what he says. He says, I taught you out in public and I taught you in your homes. This is, that's Acts 20, 20. I taught you out in public and I taught you in your homes. There was a corporate expression and there was also a personal behind the scenes in your living room expression. If the church has ever been out in public and in private, public, corporate, and private, we have been forced to see that happen this year. And what he was doing is he was urging, urging Jews and Greeks alike to a radical life change before God and a radical trust in our master, Jesus. And the truth is, that's what we want to see happen here. And that's what God wants to see happen through you out there. It's just, it, that's just, that's not, it's not optional. We're going to be a come and see church, but you also got to be a go and share church. And so how, what does that look like? 
50% of people, this, this, is, this, is, this is science, 50% of people are not gonna darken the door of a church. Do you know that if I, if I owned a company and I had all this opportunity to sell my widget and, and I found out through some research that 50% of my potential customers were just never gonna come to my website. They're never gonna come in my store. 50% of my potential customers. Do you know what that businessman or businesswoman would do? They would get into a boardroom, they would bring their key leaders in and they would say, what would it take to carve off a corner of that 50% market? What would, what would we have to change? What, how would we have to think? What, what, what kind of perception do we have to change? What kind of money do we have to spend to just get into that market? And you know what that says? I mean, I mean, tomorrow, if, 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 if Ford Motor Company said 50% of America is not buying our product, not even interested, what do we do to get into that market? They'd be in the boardroom tomorrow. And you know what it says? It, it, it says that the that businesses care more about sales than the church tends to care about souls. Business care more about profit than the church sometimes cares about people's eternity. So we're going to be come and see. And it's amazing the seeds that you can plant. But we also got to be a go and share, especially in today's day and age that we're living in. So what does that look like? What would you do? That's the second part of this message. How do we become a go and share kind of person? What does that look like? How do you, how do you flesh that out? Let me give you just some simple ways. Here's where it starts. It starts with the right mindset. Starts with the right mindset. You've got to know, you've got to know this. Listen to me. Lean into this. Lean into this reality. People want to be saved. Your drunk, degenerate, perverted Uncle Fred wants to be saved. But he's finding his salvation through that bottle. He's finding his salvation through that seventh marriage. He's finding his salvation through the way he spends his free time. He wants to be saved. He just hasn't found what real salvation looks like and feels like and can be. People want to be saved. God, what do I do? If you're out there, why don't you answer? People want to be saved. And you have to have the right mindset. You have to have the right mindset. And here's one of the right mindsets. Just jot it down somewhere. Jesus is worth knowing. He's not just a big man upstairs. He's not just kind of this philosophy. He's a person and he's worth knowing. And he changes everything. And not everyone will come to church, but everyone needs to know God. Everyone, need, everyone ought to know Jesus. Everyone ought to know Jesus. There's a little fountain out here on the Lufkin location that runs 24 hours a day, seven days a week between our kids' center and our student center. And it was, it was donated by a little family who lost their three-year-old daughter in a tragic dune buggy accident. That whole family began to come to church at Timber Creek because their daughter was exposed to KidWorks Jr. The little, little sprockets is what we used to call it. And Mia would come in on Sunday morning and jump up onto the bed and would jump up and down and would say, everybody ought to go to church. Everybody ought to know Jesus. Let's go to church today. And it changed the trajectory of their family. And that little, that blue vase that runs, that's just a, a little reminder every time I walk by it. And now you can too, if you're on the Lufkin location. The words of little Mia, everybody ought to go to church. Everybody ought to know Jesus. Jesus is worth knowing. And you got to understand that every wayward person you know would live a vastly better life if God's glove and grace and redemption were operating in their life. And there's so many people, they're operating in their dry. They're operating day to day, the grind, and their life would be vastly better, vastly better. But you also got to know you can't get it twisted. You got to remember your role. 
You got to slow your roll. <laughs> and you got to remember your role. And you know what your role is? Here it is. Here's what Paul says your role is. It was the same as his. My work was to plant the seed in your hearts. Apollos' work was to water it. But it was God, not we, who made the garden grow in your hearts. You are seed scatterers. Hope traffickers. <laughs> you looking for some hope? <laughs> I got it right here. KJV, here it is. <laughs> you, you, it's all about seed. It's about the seed. Your work, your role is to plant seed. That's it. Jesus gives the increase. Je- don't do Jesus' job for him, but you're the body and you carry the hope of the world. You know what else you gotta do? You gotta know Jesus is worth knowing. You gotta remember your role. But here's where you, this is your part, okay? This is your part. You gotta crank up your courage. You gotta wind it up, everybody. You gotta crank up some courage because it can be intimidating. It can be intimidating. I can never do what you do, Pastor Jeremy, and stand and give a sermon. Nobody is asking you to do that. Jesus isn't saying, boy, I wish they'd just go preach the word on the corner there by Stanpipe and Lufkin over there by Java Jacks and Nacogdoches. No, like you just have to crank up your courage and be in your sphere of influence. And it's simple. It doesn't have to be complicated. You don't have to use, you don't have to use words, regeneration, sanctification. You don't, have, you don't even have to use it. You don't have to use crazy, you know, Ark of the Covenant was this dimension. Like you don't need to know all that, Right? Because Jesus has promised us when he went to heaven, he said, hey, go and wait for me because I'm going to give you what you need to be my body. And he says, you'll receive the power you need when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. It's not, it's not optional. This is what we're called to be. And your perception will change your relationship. And you got to start with the right mindset. Every single one of you are called to be a soul winner. You don't do the saving, but you do cast seed. You do plant seed by little words, little things, just being present in people's lives. So number two, when you got the right mindset, you share the right message. I mean, there is so much linguistic theft, as my mom said the other day, so much linguistic theft happening these days. You can have a conversation today and use the word Jesus. And if you don't understand their perception of Jesus, their perception of Jesus, their relationship to the name Jesus, it could have been linguistically stolen to mean something completely different than when you say the name Jesus. They're, they're, they're thinking Jesus is something else, right? They're thinking um, uh, Jesus is a good guy or they're thinking Jesus is mad at them or they're thinking uh, Jesus has got his arms crossed, like, like he's, he's gonna uh, get them if they're not right. He's like walking around the corner. I saw what you did when nobody else was looking. I can't even say it out loud what you did because I'm Jesus. You got to share the right message. Some of us going around with the right mindset, but you don't have the right message. I was in California a few years ago. We were waiting in line to go eat at a restaurant um, on Hollywood Boulevard. And there was a church that was going down the road in a car. The window was on the passenger side was rolled halfway down and there was a megaphone standing out like this, just, just kind of hanging out. And on the side of it, it said, come to Believer's Tabernacle. And it said the address. And then here was the message. All of you sinners, turn or burn. The wrath of God is upon thee. I see you over there at Planet Hollywood. You're going to hell. Come to Believer's Tabernacle, services 9.30 and 11.15. Yeah, I'll be there. Where's the Uber, okay? And yet that's how people view the church these days. It's what they see a lot. They see, send me that $1,000 seed and I'll give you that personalized prayer. God just wants you wealthy. Oh, if you're facing problems in your life, it must be some kind of sin in your life. You can only laugh if you're laughing at how the dumb the devil is. Otherwise, you ought to just be crying and listen to Michael W. Smith from the 90s. You can only sing with the radio if it's KSWP. Take this, I don't know. I could have too much more fun with that. We got to share the right message. You got to share the right message. And, and here's, what, here's what Paul says about what the right message is. The most important thing 
is that I complete my mission, the work that the Lord Jesus gave me to tell people the good news. It's good news about God's grace. It's good news. People don't need to be beat up. They get that everywhere else. And I am okay. I am absolutely, I want you to know, bring on the arrows, bring on the darts, bring on the posts. I'm okay with people saying that church is a little watered down. They don't even know what they're talking about. I am okay though with people thinking, well, that's a simple message on Sundays at Timber Creek. (laughs) We're gonna be about the good news. We're gonna be about the good news. Paul later on says, God was reconciling, balancing, bringing back to restoration the world to himself in Christ. He wasn't counting men's sin against them and he's committed to who? I'll say it again, to who? Yeah, like the us. The message of reconciliation. It's not a message of condemnation. It's a message of balancing the books, getting right with God. You gotta have the right message and it's good news it's not, it's not angry news. It's good news. Since the right, number three, since the right moment. You can have the right message, the right mindset, and the wrong moment. I didn't know if I was going to share this story. I'll share it real quick. I've shared it before. One of my favorite. I've been told by the staff every once in a while, you shouldn't share that story. They don't know what they're talking about. And you're adults. You can handle it. Senior year of high school. <laughs> Senior year of high school. I was in the youth group. I was a leader in the youth group. We did this play downtown in Wichita, Kansas. We were striking the stage afterwards at a church. Awesome altar call. People came to Jesus. People were set free. Holy Spirit, awesome moments just happening there in the come and see church. Excellent. On a spiritual high, leaving that church as an 18-year-old kid in my little, you know, light blue Mercury topaz, driving home, realizing I'm on E and I'm about ready to run out of gas in the middle of a bad part of town. And I pull into a quick trip, which if you've never been to a quick trip, it's the, it's the, it's the gas station of the gods. It's amazing. Get their taquito. Anyway, I pull in and as I'm pulling into the driveway of the quick trip, I didn't see her. There was a woman walking across the drive and I turned this way and I almost ran her over. She slammed her hand down on the front of my car. <laughs> she went, what are you doing? Looked at me, it was great. I was scared. To die. I almost ran this woman over after an awesome altar call, okay? I pulled in, I, I pumped the gas. And as I'm waiting in my car, as the gas is pumping, this same woman came over to my passenger's side and... and Knocked on the window. I'm like, uh-oh, we about ready. I'm about ready to get in a brawl with a woman that I almost ran over in the middle of, middle of Wichita, Kansas at midnight. She goes, roll down the window. And, you know, me being, <laughs> like my son says, the strongest person I know, I roll down the window like that much, you know. <laughs> Hi. What's that? She goes, can you give me a ride down to 13th Street? And now that I saw her underneath the lights of the canopy of the quick trip, I, I saw her more clearly and I could, I could tell um, th- this was a, a homeless woman. And uh, you, I could tell she had been living rough. And I felt the Holy Spirit in my heart, everybody. And I wanted to be faithful. I just had this, I mean, it was like, you know, we're singing, shout to the Lord way back in the day. I mean, I just, awesome altar call. I'm like, I'm going I'm I'm going to give this woman a ride. I'm going to tell her about Jesus. She's going to get saved, filled with the Holy Ghost. We're going to have church right here. And then I'm going to drop her off. I'm going to go on with my life. And my words, my message was there. I had the right moment, but my message got messed up. Because what I wanted to say to her was, yeah, hop in. I'll give you a ride, but I'd love to share something with you. Instead, my words came out a little wrong. And I said, yeah, I'll give you a ride if you'll let me do something to you. <laughs> and she looked at me and I looked at her and she looked at me and I looked at her and I went, <laughs> speaking in tongues. But here's the crazy part. She said, she, she, I, kid, I kid you not. She said, fine. <laughs> she got in the car. <laughs> And I went, no, 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 come quickly, Lord Jesus. (laughs) Took her down the road, got her stopped, got her some food. 
and just shared something with her, okay? I'm telling you. You can have the right moment and you can mess it up with the wrong words. Just sense the right moment. Just sense the right moment. God will, God will give you those moments. And you know what that can sound like? Someone saying, I don't even know what I'm going to do. I don't even know what this is going to look like. I, I'm so frustrated. And that right moment is not, well, can I tell you something about John 3, 16? <laughs> you know, let me look up my notes and say, I'm sensing the right moment right now. Like you, you, you say, man, I wish I could give you some of the hope that I have. You know, I, I, wish, I wish I could just give you some peace that, that I've experienced. I'm sorry. Well, what do you mean the hope you have? I don't want it to sound trite. I don't want it to sound just like clinical, but if it weren't for um, the person of Jesus in my life, I don't know where I, 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 I don't know where I would be. And that peace and hope that's come with kind of surrendering to him, not perfect, but like just saying, God, I, I can't do this on my own. I cannot tell you how much that has not made things perfect, but, but helped. I wish I could give you some of the grace that I've experienced because it sounds like you need some grace in your life. And you know, you just sense the right moment. You know, another moment can say, hey, would you like to come to church with me sometime? It's simple. In fact, that kind of brings us into number four. Select the right method that fits you. This right here, what I'm doing, this may not be your method. That's perfectly fine. This isn't the only method. In fact, there's much more power in the method that just fits you every day because God didn't say, I'm gonna give the pastor the Holy Spirit to be my witness. He says, I'm gonna give you, all of us, the us, the church, the body, to be his witness, telling people anywhere, everywhere. And can I just give you a couple simple, easy methods? Here's, a, here's an easy method, all right? It's the dinner with a sinner. Dinner with a sinner. You know, some of you are like, you're going to get an invite from somebody in the church. They don't even know you go to this church and you're going to get an invite from somebody else. They're like, hey, would you like to go to dinner with me? You're like, they think I'm a sinner. Guess what? You are a sinner. I'm a sinner. And dinner with the sinner isn't a one-sided conversation. We're all sinners saved by grace, everybody. Okay. And can I tell you what's, what's really the way you look at dinner with a sinner because we're all fall short of the glory of God. Can I tell you it's better to have just dinner with a listener, just dinner with a listener. Invite people to eat. Tell me your story. What's going on in your life? Listen, 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 listen. I, I just mentioned it a second ago. Here's another option, a come and see. Do you know that very rarely will you get a no when you simply invite people to church? Now you may get, um, let, me, let me get back with you or yeah, I need to do, just, you know, things are so crazy and hectic right now. And your response isn't, well, if you spend more time focusing on Jesus instead of that thing or that thing, you say, I get it. Life is crazy. But is it okay? Is it okay if I kind of ask you again? Is it all right if I keep on inviting you? Would that, would that violate our friendship if I said, you want to come to church with me every once in a while? Can I promise you just being open like that? A come and see? Hey, come and see. Come and see. I don't know, man. The walls of the church would fall down on me if I came. Well, come and see. Let's see. Come and see. If it happens, we're going to get video. We're going to get video. It's going to be, and you're going to go viral one way or another. It's going to be cool. It'll help your marketing platform. Come and see. Here's the deal. Storyteller. Just tell a story. Do you know that there's an upper story and a lower story happening in your life simultaneously? The same way with Job, who had all kinds of hell on earth situations happening to him in the Bible, there was an upper story happening. God was going to get the last word. Jesus shows us how to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. There's an upper story and a lower story. And your story may just sound like you are an employee at ABC Company, but there's an upper story. God has placed you where you are. Your lower story may have been you dealt with a tragedy in your life. The upper story is that has become a platform. Your pain now is a platform for God to do something in somebody's life. 
the upper story and the lower story. Your lower story is a sick child. The upper story is salvation after salvation and help and hope that's going to come because you trusted God in the middle of it. I'm going to help you with something right now. You, you guys ready? Get your phones out. Get your phones out. Turn on the camera. Lufkin, Nacogdoches, do it real quick. Dieball, Duncan, I don't think you guys have phones. If you do, watch it. I wouldn't pull it out. Don't listen to the pastor right now. Or probably you should do that and, and go honest. Anyway, moving on. I'm going to help you with something. Here we go. Ready? You're going to take a picture. Let me show you something. Okay. Now, I'm going to put on my... Okay, I could become very scholarly and go, like this. You can take that picture. But let me, let me show it like this. Uh, okay, ready? Now I'm going to turn. Go ahead. Take the picture. And I'll, I'll be more serious if you want more of a serious pastor, okay? You want a, if you want a modest pastor, okay. There we go. Oh, millennial. This is like a... <laughs> okay, let me, let, let me just say what I'm saying. You know what's amazing is just taking a picture of an empty seat next to you at church instead of that plate of food you're going to eat today and simply saying... I just want you to know there's an open invitation. Anytime any of my friends want to come to church, I am saving a seat for you. You will never have to walk into a church by yourself. I'll meet you in the parking lot. Maybe you post a picture like this that simply says, the pastor reminded us today, it's okay not to be okay. And I just wanted to remind you too, but don't stay that way. And if you're looking for help right now, I'd love to invite you to church. Or I'd love to have a conversation with you. You can message me. And God uses those things. But maybe you feel fearful right now. Like, how do I even get that started? You're not alone. The author who wrote more books in the New Testament than any other author, the Apostle Paul, here's how he says it in 1 Corinthians. When it came to talking, I was unsure of how to go about all this, telling the message of Christ. I felt totally inadequate. <laughs> Paul? Yeah, you're in good company. I was scared to death, if you want to know the truth of it. And so nothing I said could have impressed you or anyone else. It's not about impressing anybody. Don't try and impress anybody about your words. In fact, here's what he says. Here's what Paul says. And this is what we're trying to do at Timber Creek. What I'm inviting you into. I deliberately kept it plain and simple. Deliberately. Jesus and who he is. Jesus and what he does. And it all comes down. He, he is who he says he is because he proved it. Because he died for us to get that love and get that grace and get that forgiveness and get that mercy and have it free gifts readily available. You don't got to jump through any hoops. You just have to surrender and embrace it. And Paul goes on to say, God, God's spirit and God's power is the one who did it, not me. It made it clear that your life of faith is a response to God's power. That's what you are living in. Not to some fancy mental or emotional footwork by me or anyone else. We're trying to get you through growth track one, two, and three and an encounter if you feel like some stuff's holding you back. Starting point, which is a process to get you engaged in the, in the life of the body of, of Christ. When we do all that is we try to keep it plain and simple because Paul said to do it that way. God said to do it that way. But don't do it alone. I think one of the worst things, oh God, I don't want, I don't want, I want to go to heaven. I want to go to heaven and I'm on my way. Man, one thing I really don't want to do and one thing I don't want you to do. I don't want you to go to heaven alone. I don't want you to go to heaven alone. And there is opportunity after opportunities soil around you that just, just a seed, just a seed and just wait and just see what God does. <laughs> and so what's your next step? Is it Reminding yourself Jesus is worth knowing? Is it maybe changing up your message because maybe your message has been a little too strong and maybe you need to just kind of show the grace of God and not just the truth? Grace and truth, it's a both and. But some people go with just the truth of God and they forget the grace. And all of a sudden, God becomes mean. He's truthful, but he's mean. And then some people, they go with God's grace and no truth. And then God's weak and meaningless. 
and not holy. So we need grace and truth, but grace comes before truth. Grace sets the tone for the truth. Jesus, as I finish, was inviting normal people to come and be a part of his ministry. And he meets some fishermen who were actually kind of not even good right then. They hadn't caught a thing. They had been up all night. They were tired. They were frustrated. They were going to have to go home to Mrs. Peter and Mrs. Andrew, Mrs. You know, James. She's like, do you catch any, any fish today, Peter? He's like, woman, let me live my life. I don't see you out there. She's like, I can do a better job than you. Anyway, I'm, I'm moving on. Peter's tired. He's grumpy. He's third shift. He wants to go home and go to bed. Jesus says, hey, I know you just cleaned up your nets, but you want to go out? Let's launch out and go for a, ke- go for a catch. Go, f- go for a little trip. And Peter was engaged enough and intrigued enough. He said, I don't want to. But because you say so, let's give it a shot. And they get out there into the deep water. And God stirs the water. And a miracle happens. A miracle so big, it almost sinks the boat. And it shocks Peter into, whoa, this guy isn't just a rabbi. (laughs) In fact, later... Jesus would be on a walk saying, who do people say that I am? And that same Peter who is really willing to just go home into his bedroom with foil on the, on the windows because he needed it dark because he had to sleep because he's going to get up and go fish and not catch anything again the next day. That same Peter who didn't want to go out and catch the fish, he's seen enough that he had seen enough of Jesus. He's, I'll tell you who you are. You're the son of the living God. You're the Messiah. And he saw enough of Jesus and people need to see enough of Jesus in you to say, oh, okay, wait, 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 something here. And sure enough, Peter, that, that potentially bankrupt fisherman, after hauling all that catch up to the, up to the shoreline, he gets out and he, he gets on his knees in front of Jesus and he says, I'm not even worthy to be around you right now. And Jesus gives him his next step. He doesn't give him the whole plan. Someday you're going to be crucified upside down for me. They didn't even understand Jesus was going to die until after he died. He just gives him the next step. Here's what he says. And here's here's what I'm trying to say to us. Here's what I think Jesus is trying to say to us. He says, you ever had a catch like that? He says, no, you kidding? To get another boat to help us before we're sinking because we got that many trout? Are you kidding me right now? He said, pretty cool, huh? Are you kidding? Like my wife, we're going to Macy's this afternoon. I'm going to get her a pearl necklace. It's pretty awesome, isn't it, Peter? I've never seen anything like it, Jesus. And he says, you think this is great? You think this is cool? You think this is good? We'll go catch people like this. I'll stir the water. I'll stir the water. You cast nets. And and we'll show people how to catch people. And Peter says, I'm in. But he couldn't be satisfied with just what he was doing. Here's what Peter did. And here's what I'm inviting us to do. Settle for nothing less than grander vision living. You may have a vision for your company. You may have a vision for your family. But I want to tell you, Jesus invites you into a grander vision. You think, all oh, that's good. You think retirement's nice. You think having that. You think going there. You think experiencing this. <sighs> nothing, nothing is as thrilling as catching And Jesus brought you into this moment right now. And if you feel lost and you feel broken and you feel hopeless, he has stirred the water for you today. He knows you by name. And all across our locations, would you close your eyes and just bow your heads? He sees you where you are, even in your junk. And he, he jumps right into that quicksand with you. He gets in there with you. 
He doesn't wait for you to pull yourself out. He, he is what you need. And if you've never invited Jesus to be the source of your strength, the hero of your story, the king of your heart, the savior of your soul, he's not waiting for you to get things right. He's made things right. You just have to believe that he is who he says he is. And in your own words, you simply say, Jesus, I need you. I don't want to live without hope. I don't want to live defined by this hurt or this thing. I, I can't fix myself. I need you, Jesus. I, I surrender to you. Be the Lord of my life. And right now, if you believe that, he is saving you. He's washing you, though your sin be like crimson. He washes you white as snow. Rest in it, believe it. Take a deep breath and engage it. He forgives you. He forgives you. First time or that 70th time, he forgives. Now live for him. And for us that are living where we need to live, not perfect, but living, and you're inviting Jesus to give you a grander vision. And you're asking for the, the power of the Holy Spirit you would be able to be that witness and you would let Lord if you have more for me you want to equip me more to share the good news if that's you would you just raise a hand up all across our locations yeah me too Lord whatever platforms we have they're a platform for opportunity our platform may be built out of pain our platform may just be a platform of opportunity but use us right where we are we invite you to do what only you can do God, may we plant the seed. May you empower us. Because you change everything. We thank you and we ask it all in the mighty name of Jesus, the strong son of God. Everybody said amen.